<laughs> I come I come before you with mixed feelings. Um, I don't know what it is about about the process of teaching. It may it's probably different for everybody, but um, you know, as I get closer to the time where I have to actually to tell you something, I just feel so bad. <laughs> I mean, I'm just just a bundle of nerves, and I don't know. You know, if that's just nerves or if it's just part of what you carry, because this particular topic I've been mulling over and meditating about for about a month. Um, Monica spoke uh, about a month ago about this first passage that I'm going to bring before you, but she looked at it from the stance of purging and that process that we were going through, and it was an excellent teaching. At the end of that teaching, Pastor, he said something, as he always does. And what he said really um, just hit me really hard because of the way I feel like I had been looking at this word for truth or what is true, which we have studied, you know, for many years. I mean, we have the book on that, and we understand that it's something that's not hidden anymore, and... I'd always looked at it um, in the past, however, from the perspective of the scripture, you know, mysteries that are being revealed, those truths that are hidden, and that our intercession, and this is true, it's not that what I'm saying isn't true, it's just this is as far as I went with that, that the truth um, being revealed were the things in scripture that God revealed to us, and it comes from the scripture, and um, so when pastor, I'm going to read what he said because I, I did go back to the archives and I transcribed what he said because I want to build off of what he said. But first I'm going to read this verse and I'm not going to teach on that because that's not my topic but it is what spearheaded me into what I am going to teach on. John 15 1 through 2 says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he purges, that it may bring forth more fruit. And this is what Pastor said about the vine being true. We know that true is something that is not hidden anymore. The vine is going to go into places that have been hidden places that have not been seen, places that we have not been able to project. It's a continual discovery, and it's based on the Father's will. The Lord is that vine that's searching these things out, and the Father is over it. We want a decorative vine with flowers, but God's vine goes into places that are a continual measure of discovery, things that we have not known before, places we have not gone before, Places we have not had the opportunity to make look pretty or convince others how great it is. The fact that this is the opener for that passage sheds a light on the rest of the passage. If that pathway is going into the unknown, revealed by God, then any branch that decides, I don't want to do that anymore, I want to be decorative, or look at this over here, that looks great, will be taken away. Because that is not where the Father is directing, and that's not what God has opened for us. We have no idea how we, the saints, came together. They were hidden by God, and he has prepared them. And walking with Jesus, we are led to discover <coughs> these 
hidden places. There are influences that want the gates, etc., to remain hidden. But the Father wants to lead in so that it's not hidden anymore. How could a branch in Jesus be lopped off? It's not bearing fruit, not making the discoveries that the Father has ordained to make. It's chosen to go off so that it's more seen. What he purges in us are the places that are dependent upon the branches that are lopped off. He said quite a lot, didn't he? <laughs> the thing that really struck me, I, I really didn't even know what it was that struck me. It was just something that I knew that I had to look into. So, you know, I've been meditating on, I didn't go study it right away. I'm weird that way. But I just kind of let it mull and I, you know, I've just been meditating on, the, on this truth for me. And um, as the Lord began to share with me, I realized, and this, this is not even going to be a stunner for you necessarily, because it is a walk that we have all walked for 20 years. This is just a defining of that walk. You know, our relationship with the Father is a continual pursuit of the truth for us. It's about your relationship. It's not just a scripture that is, you know, unfolded for you to see that you've never seen before. It's about you. He reveals a truth to you, and you have to face that truth with the truth that you have. And that's, an, that's another thing that has become a popular phrase is your own truth. Everyone has their own truth. Well, that is exactly right. Everyone <laughs> does have their own truth. We all have our own truth as well, but we face the Father's truth and we have to decide, do we lay our truth down to embrace His? Or do we keep going with what we believe, what our ideas are, what our agendas are? Because, face it guys, everyone has a way that they address life and it's based on the way you were raised, your experiences, the things you learned. Those are your truths. That's what you base your decisions on. So the only way that you actually become one who walks in the truth or walks in the spirit and according to God's plan is when you have submitted your truth to God's truth and to what is true. And so I just, you know, here's the thing. You know, when the Lord shares something with you, you're like going through this whole thing. And I won't be able to describe to you all the things he said to me about this because he was just talking to me about it and I have no memory. So I'm sorry to declare that. That actually makes it true, right? Um, see, the thing is, the way that he was describing it to me was how every time I come before him, he is revealing something true about him. And it affects what is in me that is not true. And so I just did a study on the word true. Um, and there are two words that are transcribed as true, and they're adjectives that have them listed at the top. Alethanos and alethes. And I believe alethes is the root of alethos as well as alethanos, which is the word, the noun, truth, that we are most familiar with. Um, it's interesting, I was going to get Pastor's book out and look at it, and I didn't have it at home. I have it here at the church, and I just thought, there's a reason for that, because I could go through what he said about it, and it would completely intimidate me about a thousand ways, because I could never say it like he does anyway. 
Um, but I really needed to stick to what God was saying to me about this. And, you know, and what he's revealing to me about what it means to actually walk in truth. And that how we abandon our truth. Because when you start trying to acclimate what God is doing to what you need, you're going to be in trouble. You know, I have needs. I, these are my problems, but so I want the truth to, to assuage that and to promote what I think already. You can't do that with the truth. It is exactly what it is, and we have to stand on that truth, and we have to defend it. Because when we bring the message of truth, if it just placates a thing and rubs, you know, scratches an itch or, you know, helps people to accept uh, the message of Christ, then we have actually led them astray. They cannot, therefore, ever find the plumb line from, the, from some errant word that you have delivered. So our truth has to remain in the scripture. And the way that we, well, I can't get, I'm going to get too far into my message because I've got six pages here. I'm, I'm vying for the title of <laughs> the, longest, the longest teaching that will never be completed. I'm hoping I'm making sense. It's really hard. So often when I teach, I, the Lord doesn't really say a whole lot at the beginning. He just gives me a concept. And then when I come before you, I did, those things just start coming out. They haven't really been mulled over for a month. Now I've just got all these things in my head and, and have a hard time delivering it. So just bear with me. And I'm really, I really want to um, talk about this. We're going to talk about Jesus because there are several verses about him that discuss um, him being true. He's the true light. In John 1, 6 through 9, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, a maturia, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. The light will illuminate the heart of man to discover what is hidden. That's what the light comes to do. It comes to expose and to bring an entrance to what needs to be discovered. And Jesus is the one that leads us into that discovery. And the process of that Part of the process of that is that martyria, dying to self. 1 John 2, 7 through 10. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the logos, which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. The Logos is the pathway to what is true. It reveals what's in the heart. It's the truth that guides us every step that we take. It has to be true, the thing that is hidden that is revealed by God. In this pathway of discovery, it's like our hearts, when we first started praying, that's why I know we've been doing this from the beginning, 
It's like our hunger really was the demand on the Spirit to know what is hidden. And that's what we've been doing in intercession. That is, to me, a basic element of intercession, that you are there to uncover what is hidden in the Father because that is what he wants to reveal to you. And every time you do and every step you take, and certainly in our own lives individually, but that's why the word itself coming from um, the platform or the pulpit, whenever you know a logos is uncovered and we see the truth of it, it is you know it was hidden, but now it's not. That is that is a thing we're prepared to receive in our intercession. That is why you're praying in unknown tongues is about the mysteries. You're being prepared to receive the truths that are revealed. But the thing that I find so interesting about this kind of paradigm thought for me that has changed is the fact that I don't think that there are other believers that have the calling that we do that are uncovering the truths and the word that God is giving to us. The message that we have been given, I don't think it's being given all over the place. So it is unique to us, which means that the Holy Spirit, which guides us into all truth, is guiding everyone in the same way, but not through the revelation of the word the way that we've been given. That's what makes it such an individual walk in the truth. And that's what I think is so cool. I mean, we've been doing it. It's just the way that I was looking at that particular understanding has really expanded for me individually. Because this is what every believer, no matter who or where they are, the way God deals with them. He uncovers their path. He lights the way so they know where to go. That is, those are things that are hidden. Every step you take is a hidden step until you take it. And so trying to partner with him in the truth is, is really what we've been doing from the beginning. I just think that's super cool. Jesus, the true bread, John 6, <laughs> verses 26 through 33. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign will you show me then, that we may see and believe? What, um, what do you work? And our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. So what is this process and what Jesus came to do as we do the work of God, which is to believe that is, be at the right hand of the Father. At the right hand is where these things are revealed to us. That is where the discovery is made. But it brings life and growth. That what, that's what true bread does. It brings life and it brings growth. Mark 12, verses 13 through 14. 
And they send unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him in his words. And when they were come, they say unto him, Master, we know that you are true. I love how they acknowledge this. You care us for no man. You regard not the person of men. But you teach the way of God in truth. This is aletheia, um, which is the feminine noun. And they, of course, try to trip him up in a question. So this is our stance. No matter what the world says, no matter what the world is demanding in the way of you accepting their truth, our message can only be as regards no man. You only teach the truth. You only bring the message. And they can accept it or not accept it. But you're not saving them by lying to them and by telling them what they want to hear. That does not save a person's soul. They have to be restored. They have to repent and be restored. And so I think this is an excellent example for those of us who believe this is the word of God and inerrant, that you, know, you can't change your message to, to fit the times. Because, I mean, the times have changed. Uh, of course, the sins are is from the beginning, but you know, there's always a narrative that, that the enemy is trying to promote. And that narrative right now is very strong, and it is absolutely hitting this one principle um, the hardest, and that is, you know, will we actually stand by what comes from the scripture, what is actually true? And it's being compromised in many um, circles of Christendom, and it's, um, it's damnable, really, to think that, well, I want to go down that road. I just know that, you know, our message has to be based on what the Father has given us. And that truth is what is our plumb line as we, as we go forth into the nations. Jesus, the true martyr, and Lego. John 19, 32 through 37. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they didn't break his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came out blood and water. And he saw that it bare record, which is also martyria. And his record is true, and he knows that he saith true, that you will believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture that said, um, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. Um, so this martyria that we know that Jesus really exemplified and that we have been called to also um, exemplify is the process of being changed by what is true, what has been hidden, that has been revealed to you. See, every idea that you've ever had, every belief that you've ever had, every opinion you've ever had, every agenda you've ever had, the agendas you still have, they've not all been addressed. They're still being addressed. And this process is the martyria, is dying to those things on a continual basis in order to embrace on a daily basis a step-by-step -step walk in the truth. Because you know, I know that I have rejected things that he's shown me because I just wasn't quite ready for it. 
And by out, I didn't outright just reject it and say, oh, oh, no way, man. You know, I was just like, talk to the hand. <laughs> you know, because I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to face it. I wasn't ready to, to say yes to it. Thank goodness the Lord is so long-suffering, and he, he walks with us, and he brings that love and that grace and, and those things that we need in order to step into the truth because it is a continual process of being in that light. It's not one light and you're done. So um, the Lego that I thought was interesting, that he saith is true, and, and this word saith throughout these passages are all Lego. Here's the deal, folks. It is a structure that has been put in place for our walk. That's it. He has set these things as a structure to lead us and guide us into this truth. <coughs> and see, your path is different than my path. We're going the same direction, but obviously we're different people and have different things that he's dealing with with us. So our path is different. Our circumstances change. You know, there are different responsibilities that we have based upon our calling. All these things measure into a discovery of truth that we have to find. And this is the path that we have been on. Revelation 3.14, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And we know that the Amen is what is established at the right hand. And, and you have the word faithful and true witness. These all describe Jesus. He exemplified what it means to be at the right hand. He exemplified what it means for those things from the right hand to be established. And he died for that to occur. He took the ultimate sacrifice in order for these things to manifest. This is what we have to do as well. To lay down your life is to align yourself with the plumb line of what is true. Jesus, holy and true, and to the angel in Revelation 3.7, uh, 3, pardon me, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things saith he that is holy and he that is true and has the key of David. He can open and no man shuts, shuts and no man open. This verse shows the connection between being a saint seeking those things that are hidden, and the journey to authority and discovery. These things all play a part in our role of development or our, our place of development. Being saintly, I mean, that's, that totally ties in to everything that I've been saying, right? So just making that point. Jesus, faithful and true, Revelation 19, 10 through 11. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See that you don't do it. I am a fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. I found this interesting because this fellow servant saying that he has the testimony of Jesus tells me that he, he carries that. I have the testimony of Jesus. It is within me. And that process of martyria, you know, we have to commit ourselves to that in order to fulfill the will of God for us. I just thought that was interesting. Um, and we know that this is our commitment to the process. When you, 
when you are willing to die to yourself, you're committing yourself to the process of development, of discovery, to see the will of God being fulfilled. And I think that's so cool. And we lay down our lives in this way in order to discover his heart. Because that is the spirit of prophecy. I mean, in my own opinion. <laughs> Jesus, righteous and true. So you have righteous and true ways and righteous and true judgments in these verses. Revelation 15, 3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. So we know that the vision he gives us leads us in his ways. And so does the truth. Those things he reveals to us that, that everything that he leads us into is, is a discovery of his ways, which is his person. That's him. And that is why we're in this process. This is why we're being developed as sons or how we're being developed as sons. And we know that the king of saints leads us. Revelation 16, 7. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. We know that judgment is really a visitation of the will of God. So his will is true, and what he performs and, and demonstrates, brings about, is true. It will be revealed. It is hidden, and then it will be revealed. The Father. I started with Jesus just because that was the passage that was my my lead in, but it also talks about the Father being the only true God in John 7, 28 through 29. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, You both know me, and you know whence I am, and I am not come of myself. But he that sent me is true, whom you know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. John 17, 1 through 5. These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hours come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast given me to do. Now, O Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I think this is just an amazing passage because, you know, the salvation message is not a new message for us. I mean, that's about as basic as it gets. But this life eternal that we might know God that is where the church breaks down. They're not knowing the Father through Jesus Christ. And this, this is in part one of our you know, points of our message, our apostolic message, is knowing the true God. And I also love how it's connected to the glory. And we know, you know what that means, and I'm not going to discuss it, but I just, I love that connection. Romans 3, 1 through 4. What advantage then has the Jew? 
or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? I love this passage. We should put this on the, our billboard. God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. <laughs> because, folks, as much as we even walk in the truth, as we're being developed, we still say and do things that is this word, this word for liar. If I can find this first, see, I won't ever see this again. Pseudomai, see that word pseudo? That means what you believe. So this is basically, it doesn't have the word truth next to it, but this is basically your truth. And your truth is a lie. Let God be true, but every man a liar. We have to be confronted with the truth in order to be changed. That we might be justified in thy sayings and might overcome when we are judged. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 9. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the Logos in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. That, look, this is, <laughs> this is us. Just think about this when we talk about the saints who come alongside. And you became followers of us and of the Lord because you received the Logos, our message, in much, in much pressure with the joy of the Holy Ghost, said that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. So what they do then is become those that witness of this word and this message. For from you sounded out the word, the logos of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. It is only through this message of truth that anyone is going to turn from an idol because your truth is what keeps you bound to your idols. <laughs> so I really love this passage. Okay. Well, I'm on page four, knocking them down. I knew this was in, uh, in large part just I wanted to, to say these verses. I want to declare and decree them so that they would be properly noted. But because the defining of it happened in the beginning, so I'm just applying that definition to these verses. 1 John 5. 18 through 20, we know that whoever whosoever is born of God sins not, but he that is begotten of God will tarry himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Look at this. If you keep yourself, the wicked one cannot touch you. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So we've been doing this from the beginning. He gave us an understanding. But here, here's the kicker. 
since we've all been Christians a lot longer than the last 20 years, why didn't this understanding come before? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can, you know, you can say the things like it was the timing of the Lord, it's the will of God that we should know it now. I, I don't discount those things. Those are, those are definitely true. But, you know, if you have people who are seeking God to know him more, how do they come about the revelation that they can know him the way that we came about that revelation? Because we have been Christians for a long time. I mean, not as, as long as some of you all, because you're so much older. But, no, I'm just kidding. Because you were in the church longer. You know, you were serious. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're AG since the time you were a kid, that's considered serious Christianity to me whenever I was growing up. I mean, you're a holy roller, you know, off the charts, just doing wacky stuff because I was Baptist, so, and Presbyterian and any other kind of thing that was, not want to go down that road, but just saying, you know, you guys had it all. You had speaking in tongues. You had the full gospel. Yet, no one was seeking God the way we began to seek God 20 years ago. It's been over 20 years, but I'll say 25 when we get there. But here's the thing. What is up with that? What is up with that? But he did. He gave us an understanding. And I guess that's our message. That's, that's the understanding we're bringing to the world is the understanding that they may know the true, the true God. The Holy Spirit, with true anointing, 1 John 2, 26-27, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. So there's an anointing, an empowerment from the Holy Spirit to receive truth, to seek out truth, to abide in the Father, discover the path before us, to discover the things in his heart, to discover ourselves, because this is pretty much a deep cries unto deep kind of thing. I mean, we cry out unto deep, the deep reveals and are known as you're known. Those phrases, to me, really talk about this process of our relationship of knowing him in truth. You know, the things that are in us are also hidden. You know, you can't, you know, we don't want to define, define those things as truth because there's only one truth, but, you know, his truth reveals what is hidden in us as well. Because often we don't know why we react the way we do to some things. We don't always know why we feel the way we do about certain circumstances or, you know, why we are always fearful, why we are anxious, or, you know, why we have the iniquities, iniquities that we walk in, you know. But that's what the truth is revealing to us in our development. This next... And we know that that is the, the, really, the Holy Spirit is the one guiding us into all truth. And, and he empowers us to walk and to, and really to be enveloped by that process. True grace. This is a cool one as well. 
1 Peter 5, 6 through 12. I did uh, include a long passage because I just thought that the information was, was pertinent. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that, you may, that he may exalt you in due time. You cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. This is a message that we've had recently in verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Those are the things that Pastor just spoke about. Vigilance, um, Gregorio. Be sober. You know, be aware of what's going on um, in the realm. Because your adversary, the devil, we need to know this, walks about seeking whom he may devour. But we resist him steadfast. 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 I think this hour is almost over since my tongue has decided to stop working. Uh, we resist steadfast in the faith. We resist him by being at the right hand, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while. I love this. I love that little intermittent clause there. Okay, so, but the God of all grace will make you perfect, establish you, and strengthen you, and settle you. But I like the little clause that says, after you have suffered a little while. <laughs> that's, that's the Selah, folks. <laughs> that's what we really live for. That is where the development happens, is in the Selah. Um, it's in the suffering for a little, a little bit, because at that point, once you've suffered a little bit, you will be um, made perfect. And I've got those definitions down there for you. Um, and, and just know that this is not a one-time process. This, again, is something that occurs in every season, every step of grace that we take, every promotion, every new level, every new thing that is revealed, every place that he takes us. We go through this process of being made perfect, repaired, adjusted, completed thoroughly. You know, we have to insist on the flow and and, and to insist on what God wants to do in that time frame in our terio to be accomplished and then to be established and strengthened. Both of these words um, come from his stemme. But it basically means that God, by virtue of what he has revealed to you, he has turned you resolutely in a certain direction. He's placed you firmly in that direction to strengthen you to return to that purpose because you've been sifted. So, so that you can bring others alongside. So this process of being strengthened in the sterizo really has to do with our vision, our perception, all these things being corrected so we are exactly facing the direction we need to be faced. And then we have the tithime, which we know is what is deposited within us that, that really aligns us with God's will. And it's, it's what's given to us to accomplish that will. And true grace is grace that leads you into new places of discovery as you are faithful in your esteme. Lovely, lovely passage. Oh, I didn't finish reading it. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then in verse 12, it says, By Silvanus, a, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand in your esteeming. 
Isn't that cool? I just think that's so cool, the true grace. Calling those alongside to the will of God, dying for that purpose, being willing to die to self and for that purpose to be accomplished, dying in order to step into the new, for that next level, for that point of grace promotion, all of those things that we've lived for 20 years. The true heart. Hebrews 10, 19-23. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. So we draw near with a heart that is seeking to discover what he wants to reveal to us. I See, none of these verses are verses we've not read. And I'm sure this is probably covered in Pastor's book, but you know, God didn't give me the opportunity to read that, which I'm, I'm grateful for, because I know he said it so much better than me. But I guess, I mean, for the Lord to have impressed this upon me for you know, a month and not let go of that. You know, I was actually, I think the reason why I didn't actually study this at the beginning because I was studying something else at the time. And so, you know, I didn't want to drop that because I knew the Lord was saying something to me through it. But, you know, this is something the Lord wanted me to say whether we already knew it or not. But you have without wavering, without leaning or wearing away or bowing the head. We have to hold fast to what we believe that we've been shown from the right hand. And our heart is full with that faith, those things that we have discovered at the right hand. And further, I think the process of discovery is, is made available to us and made possible through the sprinkling of the blood. The sprinkling of the blood is, is very much a part of of cleansing our conscience that is evil so that we might offer that sacrifice that is new and acceptable in the season that you're in. Not something <coughs> from the past, not something you did, you know, yesterday or 10 weeks ago or 10 years ago, but it always has to be new and sprinkled and fresh for that offering that must be made according to the truth that has been revealed. <laughs> I just, see, I love that connection. And we've got the true tabernacle, which, which also has to be sprinkled with the blood. Let's look at Hebrews 8 and a 9. Hebrews 8, 1 through 2. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. I love that. This is the sum? <laughs> this is everything? We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which, is, which the Lord pitched and not man. And then Hebrews 9, 21 through 24. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these things, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy places 
made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. So this, the true tabernacle, which is a heavenly place, which is where Jesus ministers from, and again, you've got the connection with the sprinkling of the blood. I feel like, you know, that, um, and, I, I, and I also didn't read up on this, and I'm sorry, but talking about the patterns of the heavens that had to be sprinkled with the blood and that purifying process, you know, the things in the heavens are the things that we're also discovering. These are places that God is leading us into, that he's revealing to us, things that are hidden that he uncovers for us to experience, to know, walk in, and gain authority in. I mean, there's just, uh, you know, it just goes on and on according to his purpose, of course, but, but it's all connected. And our hearts being sprinkled, the things in the heavens being sprinkled, I mean, they're, I just think that that's an interesting connection with how we pursue what is true. True proskuneo. John 4, verses 23 through 24. If I get through this teaching, I am, I've amazed myself. I just want you to know. I never expected to even get to the last page. So I still have 15 minutes. And no one has said anything, so I have plenty of time. This is an oldie, but a goodie. John 4, 23 through 24. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the true worshipers. I think I said this before, but you think about what you do when you proskuneo. I mean, you're aligning yourself with the plumb line of God when you do that. You're committing yourself to follow that pathway and to basically do whatever is necessary in order to fulfill what God puts before you. And that is how we come before him in worship. Um, songing, sing, songing, songing and, and dancing. <laughs> Singing and dancing, you know, is fun and it's a wonderful expression to praise him and to, to enter into his presence and, and, you know, to be with him and allow that atmosphere, um, which is really what creates the atmosphere for things to be revealed in, in us and for us to be in a position to be open and willing to change when those things are revealed. I mean, his spirit comes, things open up, and you become more pliable. Um, if you don't, then, you know, you're resisting the work of the Holy Spirit, in essence, you really are. Um, you have to be open in, in, you know, a praise and worship setting in a congregation is a place where he, um, he ministers prophetic, prophetically to the body about things that he's doing, and we enter in, and through that entering in, things are revealed. He uncovers things through all, I mean, think about anything you ever didn't know that he gave you. That's truth. It's not like it's just, it has to be about diverse tongues that we didn't know what that existed before. That's what I think is so amazing about, you know, just what God showed me about this is we've been doing it, and maybe you already knew it, and I'm just the last one to the party. I'm okay with that as well. I just know that I think I am looking at it in a complete, from a completely different angle regarding 
how important it is what it is he is revealing to you, that it not be dismissed, that it not be, you know, um, taken for granted. Those truths are what are leading you on your pathway to fulfill what you were created to fulfill. But these true worshipers are willing to lay down their lives for that point of discovery. That's what a true worshiper is. A true worshiper isn't the best dancer, the best singer, you know, the, the greatest demonstrator. Doesn't mean you just sit around like a big bump on a log either. You know, it doesn't mean either of those things. You know, you're not holier because, you know, you, you're pious like this or whatever. There is no holiness in our demonstration of our bodily business. It's all in the heart. It's all happening there. It's what we're willing to do in the midst of that atmosphere in order to, you know, to continue on in our development. Now, we also have the logos that is true. John 4, 34 through 38, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reaps receives wages and gathers fruit unto life eternal, that both he that sows and he that reaps may rejoice together. And herein is that logos true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor, other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. So this is, this is really what, you know, I feel like the Lord is saying, that everyone who is following him may not have the depth of relationship that we have been given with regard to our message, which is knowing the Father. I'm not saying they're not out there, but I know that none of us had it, and that was the entire church. So, you know, that's a pretty big, let's do a little market study. Okay, so we can, we can pretty much say that we know the church is not moving in the kind of prayer and depth of relationship that we're pursuing. It's not a prideful thing to say. I mean, we were all there once before. God just gave us the understanding. So here we, here we are today through that grace. But you do have people who are still laboring according to his purpose, which means that he is revealing their path to them, and they are, you know, they are participating in the harvest. I just think that's really cool, how he's using everyone according to their calling and their purpose, even though it may not be that they're doing what we're doing in relationship intercession, is, is what I'm really saying. But they are being led, and they are participating in the harvest, and we have to uh, be thankful for those labors that have gone before us. We can't be resentful for the people who labor behind us and do something with something that we've sown somewhere in the last 20 years that we're, we don't even know where we've sown. But then we find out and that someone else bore the fruit of that. We can't worry about that because the way God wants to bring it about really has to be what we're all about. However, whatever that is, the way God wants to do it is what is important. It's not that we just do it. Does that make sense? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, Revelation 19, <laughs> 9 through 11. He says unto me, Again, every time it says saith, that's lego, and sayings, which is the noun, is the logos. Write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he leg legos unto me, these are the true logos of God. Revelation 21.5, 
And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these logos are true and faithful. Again, the logos will lead you into these, <laughs> these places of discovery. And as you are at the right hand, I mean, that's, that's just part and parcel with our relationship with the Father. Revelation 22, 6 through 7. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed he, is he that tarrios the logos of the prophecy of this book. And in this verse, I thought it was interesting that um, he sent his angel to reveal something that was hidden. And I, never, I didn't see anything that talked about the angels being true, but they are messengers of the truth. And they do reveal God's plan to the faithful saints. And our last passage, this is amazing. <laughs> Have I just been talking 90 <coughs> miles an hour? I mean, good gracious. <coughs> Luke 16, 9 through 13. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Um, this passage really spoke to me about, um, you know, whatever God has given. And I, when I say that, a lot of times you don't even know that God's given it. If you're in the world, you're pretty much unaware of, you know, your path. But it's talking about how you are um, still diligent and a good uh, a good uh, what is the word I'm looking for um, steward thank you whoever gave that to me um, a good steward of what you've been given so even in the world those those principles apply to what you do in the world as well as in the spirit it says if you haven't done this in the world why would I entrust you with true riches the true riches the hidden things from the father I think that's interesting so um, there is, and then of course, um, having that which is your own. If you're not faithful in the things that you're given, why would you have ownership of anything? I mean, that we understand that principle in the natural. You know, you don't. We've talked about this often about giving a child responsibility beyond you know their capability to to do it, or a son who the the father is not willing to commit his business to because. You know, he's not doing anything to learn about the business. He's not, you know, committing himself to any of that process. So why would a father endow that inheritance to a, a son who's just not going to do anything with it? Well, these are principles that we have to understand apply in the natural as well as in the spirit. And so in all things that we do, the way that we address them is the way we, we know is going to be evidenced by our spiritual walk as well in true riches and knowing what is really important and really being 
uh, given responsibility over much. Anyway. So I said a mouthful, and I said it quickly, apparently. Does anyone have any um, comments that they want to address or questions that you have? I had one at the third verse you gave, but I couldn't get a word in edgewise. You couldn't? I don't think you were in here then. Let's just go back to it. I've got it right here, Rick. All right. <laughs> Anybody else have anything that's real? Everybody's just looking right back at me, so I guess not. Father, thank you for um, what you have spent a good portion of this month dealing with me in and teaching me. I thank you for this word and for I'm just how you are moving in the saints, the way that you are developing us, how you lead us into the true. May we not be deceived by the things of this world. May we not fall prey in our own weakness, in our own iniquity, to uh, pandering to our own truth. You know, as you reveal yourself to us, help us to receive that and be changed by it, not deceiving ourselves, not letting the enemy or the world deceive us. Father, we go forth standing on this truth, and I pray, God, that we will always not just stand on it, but defend it. And it will be our marching order to the nations. I pray that you would bring your light and your truth to the nations. And we thank you for being true. We thank you for who you are in us and what you're doing. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.